You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 107 called 10 New Eye-Popping EdTech Tools for Teachers. In this episode, we'll review 10 EdTech tools that are super awesome, new to us, and worth getting excited about. We'll also discuss the results of the recent 2022 March EdTech Madness Bracket by Classroom Cube co-founder and our friend Kyle Nemus. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. what is going on we are back on a friday this is the first time we recorded on a friday in a while but i'm excited to be here but i'm also very very excited for today's episode because there are some really really awesome ed tech tools that we've discovered that are new to us and a lot of them are actually new tools so i'm very excited to discuss some of these and share them out with everybody yeah it's an exciting record all around because like you said it's a friday we usually don't do that because you know the the workflow for us a little behind the scenes is we we have the episode done the week prior typically and it means that that weekend, usually Sunday, I do some editing and then we publish it on Monday. So if we're waiting until Friday to record, it means that we, this is literally our last chance to actually do it, which is always kind of stressful because, you know, if, if things come up and we don't get the chance to record, we're, we're kind of running on a tight schedule, but we're getting it done. So I'm happy about that. Friday always feels good. And like you said, the this episode between talking about the, you know, the March Madness bracket which has 16 of like literally the best, most popular ed tech tools out there. Between that and then these other 10 that we're gonna talk about in the main segment, there's just uh, like a, a silly amount of awesome stuff for teachers on this list. So like you said, I am also very, very excited to, to share these tools. Do you, should we do a quick recap of the, the bracket to start off in our prior episode 106, if anyone listened, we all made our picks. And honestly, I'm not sure who came out on top here as far as the, the most accurate choices? Well, I, I don't think it's about the accurate accuracy of the choices. I think it's about who wins and who picked the winner. So we actually have a couple more hours left to vote. And uh, before we do that, my final four was Moat, and Moat did not make it past the first round, but they had a valiant effort against Flipgrid. That bracket was absolutely torturous. Fred Tech Tools. Uh, Canva actually came out of that bracket between Canva, Book Creator, Flipgrid, and Moat. In the bottom one, I picked Quizzes, which is definitely in the final two. Edpuzzle came out of the Northeast bracket, and Nearpod came out of the Southeast bracket. And in the finals, we have Quizzes versus Nearpod. Now, I'm pretty sure I got two of the four in the finals. Like I, I got both of them in the finals. So I'm pretty happy about that. And right now, as of right now, quizzes is uh, pulling ahead at 52 to 48% of the vote. Now this whole thing has gotten over 25,000 votes. 
So that's pretty impressive. And uh, we got to commend Kyle on that. But Nick, what was your final four? Um, man, I'm just trying to go from memory. I had Canva for my final four, which did make it in. So that was correct. I think you had Blukit. Yeah, Blukit. The... Yep, Canva, Blukit. I can't remember the, you... was it? Screencast-O-Matic. Screencast-O-Matic, which was a silly choice. I'm the only one left that actually prefers Screencast-O-Matic, I think. But I'm sticking with it. Obviously, they didn't make it out um, because Edpuzzle got that one. And then... I think down the bottom, you had Pear Deck or Nearpod. I can't remember which one, but you had one of those two. But anyway... I think uh, this was a lot of fun. There's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of people mad, which is awesome. That means they're passionate (laughs) about a tool. And I could tell you, I was really upset with, not upset, just disappointed with Moat being knocked out in the first round. I wasn't upset because Flipgrid is an awesome tool. I I became the Flipgrid cheerleader for that, you know, the West Wing there. Uh, And the other one that I was bummed about is Wii Video, but I'm kind of getting over it. There's just so many great tools here, and there's so many great fan bases of these tools, and they're very passionate. So kudos to Kyle for making such an awesome bracket. This is something that is a fan favorite, or Twitter favorite, year after year. So he did a nice job with that. I think next year he might have to maybe either expand the bracket or get a poll beforehand to see who makes the bracket, because there's a lot of people that have an opinion on it, and it's awesome to see. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, so enough of the bracket. You guys can all go over to Twitter. Go to at Kyle Nemus, at Nick Got Tech, or at Guys Got Tech, and you can see the results there. We keep posting the updates. It was awesome to work with Kyle, and uh, he did a great job. So let's get into segment two, which is the bulk of this episode. And this is all about EdTech tools and resources that are awesome, that we we found. They're new to us. A lot of them are new to us. I think there's only one that I've ever used before out of the 10, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but I have been playing around in seven of these pretty actively over the last couple of weeks. So, um, Nick, I think I'm just going to kick this one off because this first one, you said that you are the only Screencast-O-Matic fan out there. That's not true because you know that I am. So I'm a little disappointed in that comment, you know, shortchanging them uh, a little bit there. But let me tell you something. They're making moves. They're making moves. And this first uh, tool I'm really excited about. Everyone knows that I love Moat. That's not going to change. But this one is like Moat, but for video. So we all know that Moat is a feedback tool. ScreenPal is Screencast-O-Matic's new tool. And basically, you video where you type. So think of a Google form. Sometimes students don't want to type out their answers. Well, guess what? Now you can have them enter a video. This is 100% free right now. I'm sure this will change, but right now it's free, and they'll probably have some type of freemium uh, after that. But this is amazing. So you go to a Google form. If a student is filling out the Google form, they could click on the answer blank and go up to their extension bar and uh, click on the ScreenPal extension and then record their video. All right, It could be a video of just them, or it could be a video where they have something else with it. Uh, But either way, it is super cool. It helps make comments come alive. And 
this is just fantastic. I will tell you a couple of things. They have some integrations with Google Classroom and uh, LinkedIn, Yahoo, Gmail. They have some integrations with Google Slides as well. So there are tons of different integrations here that I'm looking at. Uh, you can upload your video to YouTube. So that's also a, a added feature. You can share these on social media. I already mentioned Google Classroom. It does have a Google Drive video upload. So I know that's one that people want to see in their screencast maker, but this is a way to basically anywhere where there's a blank or anywhere where you type, you can add a ScreenPal video. So this one is probably one of my favorites of the day that we're sharing here. It just makes sharing easy. It makes uh, everything easy. You can edit these videos when necessary. So that's another added plus. So make sure you check out Screencast-O-Matic's new tool, ScreenPal. Is it, do I have this right? Is this like moat, but instead of audio commenting, it's, it's essentially video commenting? Is that really what ScreenPal is? Yes, that's what it is. Uh, that's what it looks like. You can get this as an extension on your PC uh, or anywhere where you have a Chrome bar, but it also looks like you can get it on uh, Google Play and the Apple App Store. So this is a, this is a great example of why Screencast-O-Matic is still my favorite, and I'm I'm going to stick with it too because every time I get close to thinking like I don't know, I'll just do Screencastify because of the how easy the Chrome extension is and how shareable it is. Screencast-O-Matic steps up and they they keep innovating and they keep themselves relevant. Um, so I, if you don't know, I still use it for my screencasting for its editing tools and how easy it is to like throw in some music and highlight different areas of the video. And, and this, man, this is so cool uh, to be able to, to do that, to incorporate video into your, your commenting. And it's not just comments, it's other, any spot where you can type text, really. That's what popped into my head is that commenting feature. So cool, good for Screencast-O-Matic. And if, if anyone out there has jumped off the Screencast-O-Matic, maybe this is the reason to come back and check it out. The, uh, the next tool that I want to talk about is called PodCastle. This is right in our wheelhouse. You know if you're a listener of the show that we are super into student content creation in general, but a huge part of that is on students making their own podcasts. We designed an entire class around it, and we're you know working on lots of other projects. We have a, a guide, uh, like a fully inclusive how-to guide on our website, uh, for teachers that direct you how to get started with students making their own podcasts. And we're going to have to update that now, man, because PodCastle deserves to be on there. Uh, if you want uh, your students or maybe just yourself to create a podcast, there's lots of choices out there where you can do that. Uh, everything from recording to editing to publishing. And, and this new one, PodCastle, you can get there from our show notes or just type in podcastle.ai. It looks like a really great new way to do it. It's it's built around education, so it's kind of what the intent is, or at least there's a whole a whole section of their, their product offerings for educators. And you can head to podcastle.ai to, uh, to record podcasts, really, and it's very high-quality audio, professional audio uh, sounds. You can interview there so you can bring in sort of third-party people. And the best part from what I see so far is all the editing that can take place. So we, you know, when we edit the show, we use a free software uh, piece of software called Audacity that has all sorts of roughly professional level editing stuff. 
Um, and it looks like PodCastle can get you pretty close to the same thing. So like I said, you can interview using PodCastle. Uh, they have what's called Magic Dust, which is automatically isolating different parts of your recording and then adjusting it so that it sounds good. We do this in Audacity as well. We don't call it Magic Dust. Secret Sauce, is that the term we use? Secret Sauce. Yeah, Secret Sauce, which is just taking you know, your raw voice and kind of pumping it up so it sounds full and the volumes are level and everything else while well, PodCastle can do that automatically with their magic dust. It's got uh, recording, of course, editing, uh, revoicing, which is voicing your text with uh, this sort of natural sounding, they call them voice skins. I need to check that out a little bit more, but that sounds super cool. And there's a Chrome plugin for this that makes it all super easy. So I don't know, man, this, this is one that we're going to have to go back in and, and add to our student content creation guide because um, PodCastle just makes it look like it's going to be, you know, the way to go for a lot of teachers. But last thing I'll say is um, you can use this free as well. For the free version it gives you unlimited hours of recording, which is great. Um, if you have multiple people coming in, multiple students, maybe an outside third party for an interview. You can have unlimited separate tracks where all of these voices are uh, being recorded too. That free version gives you full audio editing tools. Uh, they also have one hour of like a text to speech transcription service. You can pay for some additional features and the, the prices are pretty low if that's something you're interested in. They add other editing things like noise cancellation in the paid version. But a lot of those things you can work around uh, without paying. So we, of course, love things that can be done for free and PodCastle has that for you as well. What a great one. I, I almost feel like we should stop the episode there because it's going to be hard to beat these two. Yeah. I mean, these two are fantastic, but I'm going to try with the next one. Um, and I'm going to kind of, you know, talking with the other podcasters and other video content creators, there's a need um, or a solution for something that I was looking for and some of the other podcasters that we keep in touch with came up with this one, uh, DaVinci Resolve uh, 17. And DaVinci Resolve 17 is the world's only solution that combines editing, color correction, visual effects, motion graphics, and audio post-production all in one software. And I will tell you, I do have some experience with Adobe Premiere. Uh, this reminds me a lot of Adobe Premiere. You can see some elements that look like Wii Video. Uh, I've used Wii Video for everything, uh, video creation, podcasting, screencasting, all that stuff. But with the when we make our videos for teachers, what I've noticed is with the paid version in the education paid version, because it is for educators or students sometimes when we make it, uh, the tutorials look a little off or a little blurry. So I never recognized it until I heard someone say it. But apparently in the education version, you can only, um, even with the paid education version, you only can uh, record or post your videos in, in 720 uh, instead of 1080 uh, resolution there. So... I wanted to try something to get the picture to look a little sharp because, you know, when we both started making our videos, how much of a perfectionist we were. Uh, so now uh, I'm going to try DaVinci Resolve for this uh, reason. I'm still going to use WeVideo for the common everyday videos that we make, but 
I'm definitely checking out DaVinci Resolve. It's a free download. There is a uh, DaVinci Resolve Studio, which you could buy online for, I think it's around $300, which is pretty standard for a tool of this caliber. Because this is a tool that's used by Hollywood. So if you want to give students kind of the real world feel, you could definitely use this. And I would just use the free version because it does a lot of awesome stuff for free. In this, you can import media, you could cut it, edit, fuse media, you can look at your colors, schemes, and make filters and things like that. You could add music and edit audio and and then just push it out to wherever you need to push it out to. So it's it's pretty amazing in that way, and it's pretty easy. There are tons of support videos on YouTube and on their channel or on their website. So all this stuff comes together, makes a nice little package. I'm going to make this my summer homework. You know how I always tackle one big tool and I want to get ingrained in it. I think this is going to be my summer homework. I mean, the picture and graphics just look amazing when you go over to their site. I'm super excited about this one. Yeah, I'm excited too. And, you know, I'm a huge Wii Video fan. And what DaVinci Resolve kind of fixes for us is a problem that I didn't even know I was having. You know, I, was, I use Wii Video all the time. Um, I wasn't even really aware that in that education version, the, the quality is, is um, I mean, it's fine. It does actually a really good job. But... For us, when we're pushing out, you know, things that we want to look as professional and, and high def as possible, I didn't even really notice that we were being stopped from doing that just because the version we're using is the, the school-based education plan. So DaVinci Resolve kind of showed me that we were having that problem and it's going to take care of it for us. I also really like this editing stuff, so I'm excited for you to figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure why you can't do 1080 in the education version. I especially if it's the paid version. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I'm sure they have a reason for it and there's a plan for it. Uh, but I will say that another reason why I didn't realize it was a problem is because when you do the preview in a lot of these video softwares, the quality isn't as high as what it would be after you rendered the video. And, you know, that's to save resources and things like that. And I get it. And I always just chalked it up to that. But... The after you look at the downloaded video, you could definitely see that the image quality is a lot better. I just wish it was in 1080. So uh, if we had, and once again, this isn't for all videos. These are just the ones that we're going to use over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, DaVinci Resolve. You're going to get my uh, my attention this summer, and we're going to see what we could do with it. All right, and along those same lines, kind of a similar theme is another. A problem that I didn't know I was having until I came across this tool and then kind of made me step back and say, oh, yeah, that was that's not the best way to do it. Uh, it I'm talking here about your your forms and most teachers these days, if you're pushing out a form, a survey, a quiz, a lot of the ways we do that are with Google Forms. Google Forms, very awesome. Right. They can do a ton of stuff. It's a very, very simple easy, quick way to gather information. There's a problem with Google Forms, and the problem is that they're they're pretty dry in terms of how they look. And, you know, we all and our students are no different are answering a lot of Google Forms, and they all look pretty much the same. You can do some editing of like colors and, 
you, know, you can change that header up on the top to have like an image behind it, but there's not a whole lot of stuff you can do to make them just a little more interesting to, to look at. That's the problem that this next tool, typeform.com, intends to solve. So it, the, the people at Typeform say that when a, a form, a survey, looks more engaging, a couple of things happen. You get one better interaction with it. People are more engaged with the form. Just if it, it looks nice, it kind of draws your eye in. It makes you want to take part in that thing. It also says that you'll get more people responding to it. Uh, so that's where this might have an edge over your typical Google form that looks the same and you get it and you're like, okay, it's a, another Google form. Um, so typeform.com, if you, I mean, the best way to get a sense of this when you have a chance is to just pull up a, a tab on a Chrome browser and, and check it out. I'm going to do my best to describe it, but you know, you type a question and you have different types of responses like short answer or multiple choice. It's going to feel just like you know, a Google form does the difference being they have templates where the, the text uh, combines with video and images. A lot of them, a lot of their samples that they show on the main page are like the question that's being asked is like directly embedded over top of some kind of very engaging video or image that you can pull in quickly and automatically from their databases. So they're clear to use. And they just look super neat and super clean and super professional. Just like Google Forms, there's a, you know, the, the form part of it. There's a survey part of it. They also have a special design for quizzing. So that's where the educator stuff is going to come in too. One of the things I like about it is that it asks one question at a time, which helps people. If you get a Google Form that's like 30 questions long, Again, you kind of just get that like ugh feeling. I got to go through all 30 of these questions, but this one asks one question at a time. They say it's like a, they want it to be a conversational form where here's the question, I respond, here's another question. Helps uh, people to stay engaged so that the answers you're getting are a little more thoughtful. Um, and, and like I said at the beginning, just higher completion rates too. So put simply, these are forms that look great to help you get better responses. And this, you know, this is right up my alley. I'm all about stuff. Uh, if we can make something look nicer, I think it's the way to go. So I need to, I need to get into this. I need to figure out typeform.com. So maybe if you tackle DaVinci Resolve, I'll tackle Typeform. Although I have a feeling this will be a little bit easier to figure out. Yeah, it is an amazing tool. One thing I will tell you, and I don't know why I thought of this as you were going over this. Me personally, when I'm listening to a presenter or looking at a website or filling out a form, if it's just a whole bunch of text, I get I get lost. I like to see the pictures and or the animations or something going on there. And one thing I will say about typeform.com is they have some awesome like motion graphics going on on the side, it looks really nice, but they have those motion graphics. It keeps me interested. So I read the question, I kind of check out the graphic as I'm thinking, I need to do, be doing multiple things. That's how I work. I mean, when I grade things or if I'm doing projects, I like to have the TV on the background. For some reason, when I see this form and I see the motion graphic, it kind of calms me down. I'm ready to answer the question. Maybe it's just me. I don't know if anyone else out there shares the same feelings, but 
I don't know. That's just how I feel. Yeah, I, I get it. I'm kind of the same way. I, I, I like when there's some kind of background stuff happening, and this gives you that for sure. The last thing I want to make sure people know about it is, you know, one of the nice things about a Google form is you can take all those responses and automatically export it to Google Sheets so that you can sort of manipulate that data and do what you want with it. Uh, Typeform has tons of integrations as well. And of course, Google Sheets is one of them. So you can still maintain that ability to work with the data from your forms in Google Sheets when you're all done. So I like this one a lot. Check it out, typeform.com. Man, I really like when EdTech tools can work together and you can kind of app smash them a little bit to make them enhanced to the next level. So that's really cool. My next one, I'm pretty excited about because as everyone knows by now, if you listen to the podcast, uh, I'm not artistically gifted. I can't make things look nice without working with something like Canva or Vise Me or some of the other ones that we, we talk about. Uh, this one's called Color Cinch and this used to be called uh, Cartoonize, I think. I'm pretty sure it was Cartoonize. Uh, and that's what originally got me to it a while back because I was looking for ways to make a uh, comic book title, like a, a cover cover page for uh, a comic book. And I wanted to get a silhouette and I kind of wanted it to look like a cartoon. And as you know, if I tried to draw a stick figure or any type of person, it's going to look like a ghost or something at very best. So Color Cinch kind of helps me out here. And it doesn't just help me out uh, making pictures. I mean, this tool does a lot of different things. Uh, it allows you to edit the photo. You can annotate the photo with text. You could add different uh, filters and lenses and things like that. You could add images. I know we have filters that have like sunglasses like over people's face and stuff like that. You could do that pretty easily. So there's no sign up required. You can instantly create. And you know, that's a big word with us is creation. We want to have students create. We want to create. You could edit and turn your photos into a personalized artwork all using this one tool. It's called Color Cinch once again. Uh, so couple of things I really like about it is it's available online and offline. You can save and organize your pro projects, asset, access your artwork anywhere, and resume editing from anywhere on online and offline. Uh, it's the, the cartoon filters. They're amazing. I just love playing around with them. Me as a cartoon is pretty hilarious because I don't know whether to be scared or just laugh at it. So... Definitely, that's something that you could do there. Uh, they have over 2.5 million photos, graphics, and icons that you can add uh, to your photos. And it's very easy to organize the different layers. You can export at 400 DPI, which is, that's print quality right there. And you can fine-tune clarity and details within your images. Very, very easy. So really love this tool i would recommend it like i said there's a free version and then there's also a very affordable uh pro version as well so definitely check out color cinch formerly cartoonize in case you knew it as cartoonize yeah an another awesome one this this episode really is getting me excited because literally every single one of these tools that we're talking about 
Uh, I legitimately feel like, and we always feel this way, but this is a little bit more unusual. I, I want to check these things out. Like not this summer, like this weekend. I want to check it out. Color Cinch looks super awesome for some of those editing tools. And man, this next one that I'm going to talk about, I don't know if this is a new tool. You'll have to tell me if, if it's how long this has been around, if you know. But if it's been around, I, I don't know how we didn't know about it because it's just that awesome. Uh, it's called the National Geographic Map Maker. I'm also kind of obsessed with maps. Sometimes uh, I, I follow a couple accounts on like Instagram that are just literally, you know, showing you different maps of stuff. So the United States, I don't know, whatever different, uh, maybe a population centered map to show what the population looked like uh, across time of the United States. I don't know why, but I'm, I just find that super fascinating. Um, and there's a lot of people that feel the same way because this is a whole thing. It's just looking at different maps. Well, National Geographic Map Maker is like the online interactive version of that times a thousand for teachers. It's just so, so cool. Uh, when you go there for free without logging in or doing anything, and you, you can make an account to save maps that you create, but you can just check it out for free. Uh, it opens up a map of the world. So the, you know, the entire world you can zoom in and focus on any part of that you want. And it's going to ask you to start adding layers. And a layer is just a certain, certain types of data that you want to overlay on top of the map. So I'm not, I can't read all of these because there's a ton of them, but I'll just go through some of them. Uh, they have energy use of 2014, which is a map layer by country so it color codes different countries based on how much energy they used in 2014. Um, there's one global biomes where a color-coded map shows the different types of biomes that exist uh, in various countries around the world so biology teachers that's for you. Global human footprint which shows sort of like a heat map of where humans are having the greatest impact. I've got one up right now that is a historical hurricane tracks so it shows these different beaded lines in various colors based on the strength of the hurricane and where it went. Shows you some really cool weather patterns, uh, light pollution, major earthquakes, meridians and major parallels, latitude, longitude. So if you're teaching kids about that, we've got precipitation maps. Um, man, these are these are just so cool. I'm scrolling as I'm talking about this. Surface air temperature maps, tectonic plates. I'm going to spend all day looking at National Geographic Map Maker. It's that awesome. But it, okay, so you add in whatever layer you want. There are some drawing tools. So you can take these little waypoint markers uh, and, and drop them at various places on the map. As you drop a waypoint, you can title it and type in text and put links. So you can imagine those, uh, you know, that text and those links could be things your students investigate at each waypoint. You can draw in lines and add shapes like squares and circles. So if there's a, a portion of the map you want your students to focus on or collect data on, you can add a square around it or maybe a bunch of squares, like make a little grid and assign each grid to student groups to investigate certain things within their assigned grid. And there's also a measurement tool. And so it's essentially like a drop a waypoint here and it creates a line to a second waypoint. It tells you how many miles or kilometers or whatever away something those two waypoints are from each other. And when you're all done and you've created everything you want to create on this map, 
You can export it as a PDF if you like. So you can sort of get your own image of this that is now saved locally to you to use forever or just share out the web-based version, which is what I would do because then it's interactive. The kids can zoom in on it and, you know, and sort of interact with these things that you have created on this map. It's just so cool. And, you, you know, the, your mind can run wild, I'm sure, just with the different layers that I've talked about so far with the types of things you could use this for. Um, I believe, and I'm pretty sure you can also create your own layers to add. So if there's something unique, you can create that uh, type of map totally just for you and your class. You know, my, my mind went to the the amazing race game of historical chemists that I do at the end of the year, I might try and make a map that shows where these historical chemists are from and somehow use this uh, to play the uh, amazing race game that we play. I'm not sure how that's going to go because this is all super new to me, but man, National Geographic Map Maker, that's a big one. You guys are going to want to check this out. Yeah, I, I love this one. I can't tell you how new or old it is because I found it this morning. <laughs> Uh, when I was looking, I mean, we got, we had six or seven tools we wanted to talk about today, but this one is phenomenal. I mean, just as you were speaking, I thought of 20 different uses I could use for this. And I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to share one lesson that I could think of right now. I'm on the global human footprint map. So I'm going to drop a couple waypoints, um, in different areas. So it, green means it has a, a next to nothing human footprint and black on here means that it is 80 to 100 percent um, human footprint so the united states fits into about 40 to 60 in some areas and one to 10 for human footprint in other areas but what i would do is just drop some different waypoints or into this map and then export it and then i would throw it into a google form or you could even do a type form, maybe. I got to see if you could add it for what I'm, what I want to use it for. I'm pretty sure you can, but we could do a type form or a Google form, and we could ask them a couple questions. Of the five waypoints that are on this map, which one do you think, or which one is showing the greatest global human footprint? And then follow that up with why do you believe that area has the greatest? Uh, human footprint and see if they could pull things out like well the population it's more populated in these areas there's more factories in these areas uh, you know some of the other things about the emissions of the areas there's more cars see if they can pull all that stuff in and then uh, at the end you could even throw in that what is the responsibility of these areas to help neutralize emissions or the global human footprint do they have a responsibility to the areas that don't produce that much of a global human footprint to try to do what they can to neutralize that a little bit? What are some things that they can do to neutralize that? So these are all things that you can get students to, to use this map and mash it up with something else. You want it to come to life, you can have them use uh, Moat or Screen uh, Pal to you know, take it to the next level. So I really love this, uh, the, this whole sequence of ideas right now. I really love the map to get some discussion. I mean, think about it. You, you bring one of these maps in that pertains to your content area every Friday 
and that's your do now. First five minutes on Friday's class, you look at a map or a graph or a chart or something, and you have students look at it and tell them to tell you the story of this map or the chart. Those are just a couple ways that I thought of off the top of my head. So, yeah, great ideas. I like when, whenever you do that, you can tell everybody when guys gets excited about something and it just happened. It's sort of like those scenes in, in A Beautiful Mind where he's really thinking about math and there's like all these equations flying around. When, when you're really inspired, you can see like all the different pieces and questions and the groups of students come together. And that's what just happened here live in this recording. So that was, I always enjoy that. And uh, I think that's kind of a testament to National Geographic Map Maker Maker, because it really does inspire that type of thing, because there's just so, so many really, really cool applications. Definitely, definitely one to take away from this episode. Yeah. And don't just stop at Map Maker, because they have a lot of teacher resources on their site that, I mean, they really upped their game since the last time I checked out their website. These Some of these tools are absolutely phenomenal. Maybe we'll get to those on another episode. But for right now, I want to talk a little bit about Actively Learn. So this tool is very, very cool. There's text and videos for ELA, science, social studies. Uh, and they all have scaffolds and higher order questions. So I like this as a one-stop shop to get some resources for my class, it's going to take it to the next level. So you could look at news and articles. Uh, you could look at ELA specifically or social studies or science specifically. And when you go in and you click on it, what it's going to do is it's going to bring up all these high interest articles or popular middle school assignments or some of the main tool or main topics that's going on that month, like Women's History Month, Developmental Disabilities Month, so there's a whole bunch of different assignments that you could look at. There's a whole bunch of different texts that you could look at. You could sort it by grade level um, assignment type. So right now in the ELA, I see articles or biographies. And then you can also sort it by assignment types as well and standards. You could show the state standards and Lexile level. So all these things are all here. Um, there's different curricula units such as drama, novel, poetry, uh, nonfiction research units. Uh, they go from elementary to high school level. There's different genres and subgenres in there. There's books with assignments. There's free books, popular books. I mean, this thing has a whole bunch. You could also search by theme. So I'm very big on themes in books and trying to get time periods that have great themes to them. So you could go over to themes and you could look at animals, you could look at, you know, coming of age, dreams, food, uh, freedom, gender. There's just a whole bunch. Humor. I, I love humor pieces. So I might go check out some of those. But there's a whole bunch there. You got nature in the world, the natural world, morality, principles, leadership, all this stuff. And then you could also just search by going up to the search bar and typing stuff in. So uh, I see one popular one right now is the Wordle craze. Why do we love puzzles and are they good for uh, are they good for the students? Things like that. There's stuff on you know current events. So this is definitely one that I would check out. It's called Actively Learn. Uh, there's just so much you could do with it. You could use the resources as a standalone or use some of the 
uh, curriculum and activities that they already have planned in there. Yeah, I like to tap into actively learn almost as a like an emergency sub plan spot for me to go. So if I'm going to be out uh, suddenly and I don't have a lot of time to put together something engaging that doesn't feel like busy work for the kids, like just here's a worksheet. I had to actively learn and go to their science section and see if I can pull out something cool because they have lots of great stuff. Yeah. Another thing that you could use it for is um, when you're making your choice boards, this is a great way of getting students uh, the, the research that they need. It's in an article. You choose four articles. Let them choose one of them to review, and then they have to do something with that content knowledge and then present it at the end. So you could have them choose one of four articles. Uh, maybe you have some guided questions or something like that with it. And then based on the information that they collect, they have to make a screencast or they have to make a small digital poster or you know, they have to contribute to a slide deck or something like that. And at the end, every student in your classroom presents their slide. They have 15, 20 seconds to get their main points across and and that's just a nice, fast-paced lesson there that gets a lot done in a short amount of time. Yeah, awesome tool, a lot of great resources. The next one, number eight on our list, is called GoBoard at GoBoard.com. Another really, really incredible tool. And, and I wish over the past couple of years of pandemic teaching, where we're, we're doing hybrid and remote and everything is you know via computer, boy, I wish we knew about GoBoard. It's I would compare it to if you know, like an ex explain everything, whether it's like a digital whiteboard tool or whiteboard.fi, one of the ones that we talked about a lot over pandemic teaching um, as a place for multiple people to go and be editing the same whiteboard together. Goboard.com is, is sort of like an, uh, an amalgamation of all of these things brought together. And I think it may be my, my favorite one. Uh, the board itself that is shared that you can write on, um, it, it's like a dark grayish color. And you might be able to change that. I'm not sure. But it just has like a very pleasing, calming, a uh, little less bright and straining on the eyes than the typical white background you get uh, from some of these other tools. Uh, the best part about it that I've seen so far is that it automatically integrates the webcams of anybody that's involved in watching this. So if I'm in there with a student, they're not just watching me write. Uh, they're also seeing me talk, which I think makes actually a big difference when it comes to engagement. You know, GoBoard.com, they actually compare themselves not to these other whiteboard tools. They compare themselves to uh, online meeting tools like Zoom or Teams or Google Meet. And that's how they try and justify how awesome they are. So here's some of the, their main features, right? There's audio and video. There's a screen sharing tool. Uh, there's a chat box where people can type in questions. Uh, group sessions, which you can think about as like breakout rooms, you can do that as well. Uh, uploading documents to your board. So if you've got a worksheet, you can add that worksheet. All of those features you're going to get in Zoom, Skype, Google Meet, Teams, whatever you're using. But then GoBoard.com is like, hey, we've got 30 other things that we do as well, like a collaborative group whiteboard that everybody can be writing on at the same time. STEM teachers, this is what really got me going, they have tools like equation editors, uh, so you can type out those equations and have them actually look good and do superscripts and subscripts uh, with ease. There's a calculator. For me especially, they have a bond drawing and a molecule viewing tool 
So you can draw molecules and bring in a 3D molecule viewer, which I know is a pretty, uh, like a, a niche thing that's only going to appeal to some of us, but I'm a chem teacher. So I was like, yes, this is fantastic. Uh, something weirdly unique is you can actually, using the text messaging on your phone, you can send a document to your board via text message. There's like a certain number that you text to and you text your doc in and then it pops right into the board, which is a nice, easy way to do it from your hands. Um, and I mean, the list goes on. I'm not going to go through all of these things, but it's just so easy, so clean, totally free. No logins, no nothing. If you go to goboard.com, you can hop in and start a board just with one click. Once you're on their main page, it's extremely easy. And like I said, I just wish that uh, we had known about this over the past couple of years, if it even existed. Again, I'm not sure how long this has been around, but it seems like a, a great solution uh, for a lot of us that are still doing some aspect of teaching and education via computer and connecting with students that way. Also, I'll add, um, just because I like the look of it so much, I could see having up one of these boards and then uh, running a screencast so it's recording what I'm drawing and it's got my my face in there via the webcam too. And I think that's another neat way to, to use this. So you, you took that one from me because that's exactly where I was going to go with the <laughs> uh, using Screencast-O-Matic yeah. or uh, Screencastify in, in, or WeVideo or whatever video platform you're using loom to make a video i think that's awesome so since we kind of covered that one and we agreed on that i'm just going to go into my next one which is uh it's another one that solved a problem all right so a lot of teachers especially since we got done with the pandemic where we had all our faculty member or meetings virtually we wanted to sprucing it up a little bit. We were hosting a meeting. It was an outside of school meeting, but it was with uh, 10 to 12 ed tech coaches. And uh, we wanted a new way of kind of doing it. And you know that I'm pretty big into the metaverse and all that stuff. It just interests me. I don't really understand it, but it's super interest. Like I'm, I have a lot of interest in, in the metaverse. And this is kind of like taking the uh, virtual reality and bringing it to life but I could see it being used for meetings. Or if you just wanted to try it with your students, you could probably do it there. This website is called Gather, and uh, the website is gather.town. And you would go there. And what I want you to do is picture kind of like if you had a two-story house and you cut off the first story, it's like that view down. It's like a bird's eye view of your – it could be – a big house, it could be a school, it could be a spaceship. There are different ways to customize the locations, but let's say that there's, you know, a, a kitchen spot and there's a lounge spot and there's a book study spot and a entertainment spot. Well, your layout's there. And as you share the link for other people to join, they would use their microphone and their webcam and they would, uh, pick an avatar that's kind of theirs and this avatar with their name would walk around the different rooms. Uh, and as this avatar approaches other people, their webcam and their microphone appears and they can actually have a conversation and meet up. So it's making virtual interactions more humid and it's a fluid video chat. Uh, what I really like about this is it's not just a chat. You have the access to whiteboards, 
shared documents. You can play games in there. And you could easily do videos and live streams. Now, the free version, you only have access to certain tools like whiteboards uh, and the, the actual space itself. But as you start um, using this, and it's, it's pretty cheap. It's $2 a user for two hours, I believe. Uh, so if, if you're running a two-hour meeting with supervisors or something like that, and you just want a different way of doing something that's pretty cool, I think uh, if you have 40 supervisors and you're having a two-hour meeting, I don't, I don't feel like $80 is a big ass, especially since we spend a lot more money to rent out a place if we need to do something like that. So this is really, really cool. I could see people... Like I said, playing games, they're playing like Pictionary or something, and everyone's trying to guess the pictures. Mine would look absolutely disastrous, so I would struggle with that. Uh, you could customize your space if you want to go on a rooftop, host a party on a rooftop, or um, you could build your own space in just a few clicks. So that's also something cool. I mean, if you ever watched Harry Potter, and I just got into Harry Potter because my kids got into Harry Potter, and... That map, uh, I forget which one it's in, but there's a map that just shows, shows uh, footprints and the names of people that are walking around the courtyard. Uh, if you look at it, some of them look exactly like that. So it's, it's, it's really neat, and the interactivity is different. I bet this would connect with kids that play video games because there's one in here that looks like um, Super Mario Brothers almost. So... I would definitely check this one out. I think it has potential. I think it has great potential. And uh, it it also gives people a, another creative way of meeting with one another. Yeah, this is like this is like an entire new world for education. It, and it's uh, we've got an upcoming blog coming out called um, How Will the Metaverse Change Education? And it's kind of, this is a good way to introduce yourself to that, uh, designing a virtual workspace. And it's, it's sort of a, a neat, neat thing to play around with. Uh, I am highly, highly intrigued because there's so much to think about and how much this can change. So that's really, really cool. And our, our final one here is uh, unique in that it's what we are recording on right now. It's a service called Melon, and I'm actually going to kick this one over to you to talk about because you're the one that found this and has been doing most of the background work on it. Yeah, so Melon is pretty fantastic. If, you, if you're familiar with StreamYard, really if you're familiar with Zoom, StreamYard, things like that, it kind of does the same thing, um, but I think it's taking it to the next level. I mean, Zoom is on its own level. It's a little different than some of these streaming tools. Uh, StreamYard was awesome when we used it. It's so easy to use. Melon is super easy to use, but I just like the design a little bit better. It looks a little bit more fresh. Uh, you have a little bit more customized. Uh, you could customize things a little bit uh, more in here. They're, they're adding stuff constantly. Like, they just added, and be glad that I didn't use this the whole time, like different sound effects. I'll, I'll play one. All right, so I, I really like these uh, sound effects and things like that. Um, it's very easy to use, share. You can download your video. You could download just the audio. 
you can move different things around, like I can move around our order on the screen as we record. So there's a lot of things that I really like about it. Super easy to use. We're going to put a link. It's a referral link in the show notes, so we'll throw that out there. But uh, if you wanted to try it out, I think it gets you 20% off um, the first month or something like that. Uh, but we're not putting it in here as a money maker by any shape of the means. We just, I know we did an episode where we talked about StreamYard. I'm really excited about this one because I think it's uh, raising the bar of live streaming. You could live stream or you could just record a video like we are right now. And guess what? It's in 1080, bringing this episode full circle. So that's Melon. Absolutely awesome. Fantastic. Take a look at it. New tool. And I think it's going to take uh, streaming to the next level. Yeah. And if you're saying, like, what, is a, what does a teacher have to do with live streaming? There's, there's a lot of teachers that are doing that type of thing, live streaming lessons on YouTube. Maybe you don't have to use it for live streaming. You can just get in there and, and record yourself. So it's a, maybe a different way to make an instructional video. Definitely worth checking out. And Melon, I think, like you said, it's going to be a bigger deal as time goes on in this space. Also believe that that wraps up this episode. So as usual, to close things out, we're going to ask everyone to do us some favors. If you don't mind, you can head to uh, Apple Podcasts and subscribe there. Spotify, subscribe there. If you listen on any of the other popular podcasting platforms like Google, Stitcher, you can subscribe there too. Also on YouTube, that would help us out a lot. If you watch any of our video content, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nick Got Teched. Eric is at Geist Got Teched, or the show at We Got Teched, or why not all three? We have a Facebook page where we post when new episodes come out. Um, if you're a huge fan, the best thing you can do is write us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's the main place. And please tell your friends, podcasting for teachers is a is a whole new world. Not new, it's been around for a while now, but it's a whole world and a lot of people don't know about it and don't use it. So tell everybody about it, please. Um, also, if you're going to do that, tell people about the Teach Better Podcast Network, uh, which we are now very excitedly a part of and you can find us there along with tons of other of the best educational podcasts around. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.